Well, you're making the valid argument for burner accounts. Yeah, exactly. How many do you have? (laughs) uh, Today? I mean, I created seven during the show. We just got a little something from Brian Mulhern sucks. (laughs) 17, is that you? Oh, yeah. (laughs) Because there's 16 others. Hello, hello, and welcome to Coping on the Couch with Courtney and Brian. Courtney Kelly is a mental health therapist. I, Brian Mulhern, am a longtime mental health patient, and we do not have Courtney in-house. She needs a little bit of a mental health break this week. So alongside, we are thrilled to have, as we so often do, Mr. Ben DeCastro. Hello, Ben. Good afternoon, good evening, and good night, sir. How are you? Depending on when you're listening, That's of course. Right. Very, very smart. This isn't your first podcast. Well, I can I've tell. done a few. <laughs> I will say that Ben and I, neither one of us, have credentials when it comes to treating people for mental health, but we live and breathe, my friend. We live and breathe. So this is either going to get us canceled or... We shall see. They might have stopped listening already. Based on the streams and downloads, I will let you know. My people will be in touch with your people. One thing that we do want to talk about today is the importance of companionship when it comes to overall mental health. Being in a relationship can be a very, very good thing for you, even even though it can be one of the most difficult things to navigate in your life. We all know what the divorce rate is and things of that nature. But I think one of the things that you and I are both dealing with, and many others are as well, when you're in a long-term relationship, especially too when kids get involved and you're doing all of the adulting, keeping that romantic spark alive can be very difficult. And I would say especially difficult for the two of us because, Ben, you and I do not have the kind of work hours that most people do. I mean, our jobs are just all over the place. I can say the same for my wife. She's got a job that is way more than eight hours a day. I would say, Susan, your wife is a little bit more living within structure. Yeah. But not only do you have to work around the two of you, your schedule, you also have little Miss Callie who has come into your life here within, what, the last year plus or so? Yeah. So she came to us July 2020, right in the middle of a pandemic. And we fostered her for a little over a year. And then we were able to adopt her outright this past August, which has been great. But as we record this, this evening will be the first time Susan and myself are going going out on a quote-unquote date since we got Cali. Ben Folds, performing in town. You're a big fan. And it's good because I do think you need that mental health break. Are your parents taking care of Cali? Yes. (laughs) Or Cali will be uh, taking care of them. Taking care of them, (laughs) one of the two. But yeah, so that was the whole thing. And look, there's been plenty of cautious flags that have been raised over the past year saying, look, mainly Sue telling me, like, we need to make sure we have time for ourselves and stuff. And now that baseball season's over, we need to get more conscientious of it. And It's not just because Ben watches baseball games, because he is the PA announcer right, for the Wu right. Sox yes, minor yes, league baseball team yes. in the area. So yeah, you're away a lot, and that speaks to some of the crazy hours. I mean, just the other night, Ben had a two-hour rain delay. <laughs> you didn't get home until 12.30 in the morning, and then you had to be on the air here at the radio station where I work yeah. at 6 in the morning. Yeah. And that can be really, really tough, not only on your physical and mental health, but also on a relationship. Oh, yeah. 
And I think, too, when you introduce a little one, it's very easy to get lost in that whole thing and kind of forget about each other. And you really do have to make a conscious effort to take steps to make sure that it's still about the two of you. And that's not to say it shouldn't be about Callie as well. It should be about all three of you. But you don't want things to start going down a path where suddenly there's this disconnect. You didn't realize it while it's happening, and now you have a problem on your hands. Right. Well, I've been told by many, many people, professionals, non-professionals, friends, at some point, Callie is going to turn 18 or 20, and she's going to be doing her own thing. And Sue and I, okay, now what do we do? We have to make sure that we work hard to maintain the relationship and make sure there's an identity of the two of us. Of course, there's the identity with Callie, but we also have to identify ourselves as a relationship as well. And I can speak from experience, too, because we've done the empty nester thing, but not for as long as we thought it was going to be, where you go from a thousand miles an hour to zero, where it's the three of you, and then suddenly it's just the two of you. For most couples, there was a time when it was just the two of you, but so many years have passed, you've almost forgotten how to function as a couple, how to just make it about each other. And you don't want to lose that. You definitely have to put in the work. Now, of course, for us, it was an empty nest for just about two years, then the pandemic hits, then he comes home, and then he's back, and he's there all the time. And that has become its own adjustment, Ben, because when a little one comes in, or even a nearly 22-year-old one now, suddenly the, let's just say, physical intimacy, the romance becomes more complicated. And as we got used to him being out of the house, and now suddenly he's there all the time, that becomes complicated. And never mind everything else that I was just talking about, in terms of the hours that I keep on this job, I'm working maybe 14 hours a day to be able to figure out not only what are we going to talk about on things like the podcast, but every single day on a radio show. My wife is out saving the world as the executive director of the American Heart Association. That's not a nine to five thing. That's a thing that takes an awful lot of her time and effort. And I can tell you, we have been guilty sometimes of putting all of those things first and kind of forgetting about each other. And we've had to work on it, especially a lot lately and especially ever since the pandemic hit, because here's another thing that's been complicated. Just being around each other all the time because my wife is working from home and I'm home for most of the day because I'm up so early. Right. So here's the question I have for you. To take it back a little bit, you met Carla, your son Jonathan, stepson, mm-hmm. was already in the picture with Carla when yes. you met Carla. He was around six, I think. At the so time. there was never a time where it was just you and Carla. No. What was it like the first week when Jonathan went off to art school, which I contest he should have been teaching there, not a student. <laughs> some of his teachers have said you could be. <laughs> yeah. But what was that like? Because that was a whole new dynamic for you. Well, I will say, while he has been in my life since he was six and he's about to turn 22, there is a dad involved. So there would be times, you know, on weekends and whatnot, and sometimes he'd go on vacation. It's not that it was just always the three of us. Okay. Sometimes we would get a little bit of a break. So it's not as if it was completely alien to us to have time alone. But yeah, it definitely was a big sea change and complicating matters further. A week before he was getting ready to go, we suddenly discovered that our dog, who was only nine, had cancer and we had to put the dog down. Ah, So now, not only is the child gone, but now we're grieving over the loss of the dog. And that was a bumpy road for the 
two of us to navigate. She especially was very, very emotional. Sure. I mean, to see your little boy go off and become a man in this world and then to also lose the four-legged companion, that yeah. house never seemed more quiet. And it's kind of hard to enjoy each other while you're sitting there mourning and grieving and missing and pining for these two huge things in your life. Yeah. No, that's interesting. I remember when, because we had a little foster man for a year prior to us getting involved with Cali. Yeah, this was the second time you've been through this. Right. Unfortunately, the first one didn't end as well as the second and one. And the first one, really, everything that we were told did not happen. Right. They said, well, you they did everything uh, right uh, and uh, still. Yeah. And we were told that, no, a decision won't be made today in court. I was here that morning filling in I with remember. you. I remember. And I went to the courtroom and I called you right after and said, hey, guess what? They made a decision and it's over. I couldn't that, believe it myself. Yeah. And I hadn't been on the ride that you'd been. And I saw how happy the three of you were together. And I think, Ben, that's an excellent topic to bring up, too. How difficult was it for you and your wife, Susan, to navigate through that whole experience and then to open yourselves back up to it again? I give you a lot of credit. You were determined to give somebody a really, really good life. But I'm sure that you walked into that a little bit nervously because of what you'd just been through. Oh, totally. Our guards were up even more so. There were different circumstances Every individual case is different, but there were different circumstances that had a much better outlook when it came to Cali. So that kind of helped move it along. But for the first couple months there, it sucked. And to boot, the little guy was coming to visit us. We'd start for a day and then turn into a couple days. It wasn't just a rip off of the Band-Aid. And it kept on these waves and stuff until I give my wife all the credit because at one point she said, we need to stop this. Mm -hmm. Not because we don't love him and we don't want to do what we can for him, but we need to take care of ourselves here. Right. And then, of course, the pandemic hit and everything else. So that just added to the complications. And I'm not an expert at this. I'm not a pro at this by any means. I'm at the bottom percentile when it comes to figuring this whole thing out. Focusing on the relationship you have with your spouse has got to be at the forefront of your own mental health when you're doing this, because whether you have kids, whether you don't have kids, whether it's a long time, long distance, long whatever, time can be wonderful, but time can also be very, very taxing. Well, there are so many curveballs that get thrown at you in life that you don't expect, and sometimes you get so busy, you kind of have to force yourself to remind yourself to remember why you fell in love with this person and how much you appreciate them. And when times do get tough, you try to use it, as we always say, in the mental health world as a learning experience. Now, when it came to your first fostering situation, there were storm clouds that would develop from time to time. So it's not as if you were completely blindsided. You knew that the family was trying to jump back in and it could potentially cause a problem. I'm not going to get into details, but it still seemed highly unlikely that that was going to go the way that it ended up going. But I will say, having had a front row seat for this whole thing, and you and I are very good friends, our families are all very, very friendly, even when you were going through the second chapter with Callie, and it seemed a lot less complicated. Even we were still a little bit worried because of what we had been through with you. Right. And I imagine that the first situation, at least hopefully and ideally, strengthened your relationship with Susan. It helped you to get through the second situation, which, thank God, had a very happy end. Yeah, it certainly prepared us. And again, there were very significant differences. It's amazing when you don't have, how do I put this politely? It's amazing when you have people working 
for the best interest of the child and not trying to hamstring and backdoor the situation right. and exploit every loophole in a governmental process. Mm-hmm. So that was a nice thing to have on our side, which helped. But you don't realize how much it helped you until you get to a point where you're in a tough situation. And sometimes it's looking back and saying, well, look, we made it through this. I made it through this. We made it together. We need to pull on that experience in order to give us the confidence to keep going. Now, I have an article in front of me that speaks to all of the things that it takes to try and keep a romantic relationship moving in the right direction for as long as it lasts and for as many curveballs as you do get thrown. And I think, Ben, you're going to agree with me on this front and with this article that the most important thing, and I'm sure it was the case through the whole thing you went through with both of these situations, communication and checking in with each other. How are you doing today? Is there anything I can do? What do you need from me? What's bothering you? Do you need some space? Do you need a little bit more of me right now? That's the key to any relationship, be it romantic, be it a work relationship, friends, anything. And I have the ability to not really be aware of how I address things or how I say things. (laughs) It's a fantastic gift, Brian. It really is. I'm afraid to put you behind a microphone sometimes. And yet you do it. Here I am, ladies and gentlemen. I can come off very harsh. Not harsh, but very direct. Right. And there's times where I have to be reminded whether I'm talking to Susan, my wife, directly, or if I'm talking to other people and Susan has to say, hey, moron. Reel it in. (laughs) Dial it back. Do you realize how you sound right now? Mm -hmm. And that is the communication element of it. It's not just what you're saying. It's how you're saying. It's when you're saying it, how you're delivering that message. Communication is the only thing that sets us apart from the animals, to be quite honest. It really is. And if you don't have it or you have a bad grasp of it, everything else is going to be 10 times harder. And I think you're right. And the next step down in terms of them being as aware as we are in terms of interactions, you talk about the primates and the way that they communicate is they throw feces at each other, which at times, I'm sure my wife (laughs) would love to get her shot at doing that to me. And where I struggle, Ben, in terms of the communication and everything else, now for you, you can be brutally honest, and I have that problem as well. But another thing on the list right here that I struggle with on a daily basis because it's just not how I'm wired and I have to try to teach myself to be this way. You got to stay positive. Yeah. You can't just be Eeyore in every single situation because I know that with my wife, it becomes emotionally exhausting if I'm just crapping on everything all the time and just doom and gloom and everything else. That's really, really important. And she's generally a positive person. And sometimes when things get difficult, I feel like I see her turning into me. And now I'm trying to stop that. I forget what TV show or movie it was, but there's a line where it says, fine, you be positive. I'll be realistic. (laughs) I forget what that's from, but I could have written that. It's very true. And you have to have that cautious optimism. But sometimes reality and the severity of what you're dealing with, whether it be relationship, whether it be occupational, whether it be whatever, you have to keep that in check. And the Mm -hmm. ability to at least throw up the hand saying, hold on, I need to take a time out here 
that right there can be the biggest step for yourself in self-care and saying, hold on, uh, let me evaluate what's going on here. What's the reality of it? Can I look at past experiences? And we've talked about this with Courtney before, journaling and mm-hmm. you know being able to go back on some of those positive experiences or areas where you felt a certain way to help you learn, okay, how can I deal with this again? How can I get through this? It's kind of like a vaccine for the self. Right. And when it comes to your blind spot where maybe you say something before you think it through, I always think about what people say when it comes to putting up a social media post when you're angry. Sleep on it. Yeah. Before you just post it in anger in the moment, think about it for a night and say, do I still want to put this out there? And from what I can see on social media, and I try not to be on all that much other than what I have to for my job, there aren't a lot of people that operate that way. Right. And if you are that person and you're constantly saying, Courtney says this too, well, I am who I am. And if people don't like it, then they can just screw. You know what? Eventually, they probably are going to screw. Because right. nobody has any tolerance or patience for that. And you have to also consider how you would feel if you were being talked to by you in that same situation. How would you process what you had just said? Well, you're making the valid argument for burner accounts. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. How many do you have? (laughs) Uh, Today? I mean, I created seven during the show. I just got a little something from Brian Mulhern sucks. (laughs) 17. Is that you? Oh, yeah. Because there's 16 others. (laughs) I only got in after number two. Oh, okay. Well, that's good to know. Now, you were talking about going to the show tonight, Ben Folds. That's another thing on this list. Make sure that you do fun activities together on a daily basis. That's a bonding experience. Sure. And I even recently went through this, never mind romantic relationships, and you were a big part of it. Speaking of you working at the Woo Sox as the public address announcer, I took my dad to a game. And right. that's a great thing. Even like I said, non-romantic. It just does. It draws you together. It deepens those roots. It's just a night to forget about the rest of the world and yeah. just go have some fun. And something like that, I I think you really identified something because I was in the press box high up. You were on the concourse level with your dad, you know, enjoying the game and everything. And I could see you from my vantage point. And I was honestly surprised that you stayed through the whole game. But you guys seemed to love it. You were having a good time oh, because it was just an exciting time for you guys to be there and stuff. So not only spending the time, but making sure you find something that both can enjoy or both can learn, which is key. Well, and baseball has been something throughout our entire lives that has brought us together and I thought well what better way to have a fun night out and you're a very musical guy I'm not surprised that you're going to a show is your wife is she a big fan of Ben Folds or has she become one through you it's grown on her we have different tastes in music for a number of things but it's one of those things where we can both appreciate the talent that he has and performs well and you can introduce each other to certain things and kind of grow together and that's another thing on the list support your partner in self-growth and help that along too sometimes people look at growth as a threat they feel like well if they go in a different direction that might be a direction that is moving away from me and us and what we have together right that's not being a supportive significant other you've got to be on board with things like that for sure. No, absolutely. And being able to evaluate what you're going to learn, what you're going to get out of it. If it's something that's against your nature, how do you work it in? Because you have to open yourself up to that in order to let the relationship flourish. And speaking of growth and adjustments, we've been talking about that all along. We talked about Callie coming into your lives. I have also seen this where a couple will have a child enter into their world and one of the spouses
spouses or significant others suddenly sees that child as a threat to the relationship. Well, you're paying more attention to the little one than you are to me. And you have to make sure that you keep that in balance on both sides. You want to make sure that if you're the person who's just 100% laser focused on the child, hey, can I give five, 10 minutes for my spouse so that person doesn't feel alienated in that situation? No, that's a very good point. And you'd be surprised when it comes to fostering and adoption, when they do the classes, when you go through kind of the licensing process, they do talk about that a lot. They do talk about that through the classes. They do offer those resources because even they realize, especially when it's some external force, it's not a biological child. It's a different kind of situation, and there's a lot more stresses that go with it. But keeping that focus, because they recognize as the state agency or the nonprofit organization, they realize that that family unit is the nucleus of what's going to give this child the best possible shot. And to speak to that and to speak to nurturing relationships, and especially with everything that you and your wife have been through with the fostering and the adoption process, and as we talk about, too, encouraging growth and supporting it, when it comes to Callie, at some point, she's going to hit a certain age and maybe she's going to want to know who her birth mom was and all of that. And some people who have fostered and adopted might feel threatened by that. Uh Uh-oh, if we open her up to that world, how is it going to affect the dynamic that we have here? Did they give you a lot of education when it comes to something like that? They have provided some resources with that. More so, it's not necessarily one of the training programs, but it's if you want help with this, here's a course you can take or here's somebody we suggest you listen to or here's a way to do it but beforehand they do have you write a letter to the family the biological family Mm -hmm. and say look if you're going to write a letter to them talk about yourselves and it's therapeutic for the family but it's also therapeutic for you and and to reassure yourself why you're doing this and then it's a discussion because you're right that is going to be a question someday it's the first thing I thought about after the adoption went through it's like okay we're going to get asked one day and there's even been movies, whether it's on Lifetime or other movies where... After school specials? Yes, stuff like that, where all of a sudden the child asks and the wife or the husband calls the spouse and says we need to deal with this. The question's been asked, let's go. Go into mode. And you have to think about that stuff ahead of time. You have to prepare yourself because... You have to know it's coming. And Exactly. If you live in denial of it, hoping that that's going to keep it away, I mean, come on. That's just not going to happen. We're in the position, thankfully, Callie's situation where the biological father is unknown Mm -hmm. and... The mom, the reasons for her giving up Callie is more of a mental health situation, and she's been down this path a couple times, so it's not foreign to her. So I feel better for Callie. My mom chose substance over me or right. chose something else over me. This was really, you got to give bio mom a lot of credit because this was a hard decision to make, but you know what? She recognized that. It was very selfless. Yes. I mean, she put the child ahead of her and realized that she was not going to have as good of a life with me as she might have with someone else. Right. And in that way, she won't serve as a threat, I would think, to you and your wife. Not that you're those kinds of people, because you definitely aren't, but people in that situation, that is a good way to look at that. Right. And I'll be flat out, if people are listening and at some point you consider adoption, you consider foster care, I'm going to tell you that this is not the rule. This is the exception. In that case, there are 
right. more of the difficult than there are the situation like we're presenting. You went through that the first time oh, around, yeah. so oh, you absolutely. have experience with both. Oh yeah, absolutely. And that's the nice thing is there's a lot of resources out there for that if you choose to get into that line, just like there's a lot of resources, obviously. You guys have been doing this podcast for well over a year now. Mm-hmm. You're up over 60 some odd episodes. Next week it's number 70, my friend. It's This has been great, what you've done, because you've normalized the conversation, you've made the conversation a regular thing for the listeners, and that's huge. I give you all the credit in the world. For well, I thank together. you for that, and I credit Courtney with a lot of it, but well, she's it's got interesting. A license. <laughs> yeah, when we came together, and I said we should do a podcast, and I thought, well, what do we have in common? And instantly, I just thought of this world, and I've been such a big proponent for talking people through depression, for getting people into therapy. It was a no-brainer as far as I was concerned, and we even do Wellness Wednesdays here on the radio show that we have every single week, and we have all kinds of resources at catcountry.com. She talks about those all the time. We cover every topic imaginable, and where I want to give you credit, my friend, and your wife, I already had a lot of respect for who you are and what you are as a person, and to go through that roller coaster ride the first time with the two of you and to be heartbroken, to go through that entire experience and to be so worried about the two of you, to watch the way in which you both got up, dusted yourselves back off, and dove headfirst right back into that pool. And with a very satisfying result, by the way, I don't know that everybody has the intestinal fortitude to be able to do that, but you two were determined to make a difference in another person's life who wasn't even a relative of yours and you wanted kids really, really badly, and I just think that that's an awesome thing. No, thanks. I couldn't be happier for you. I know our audience feels exactly the same. No, we're excited. It's funny because recently on Labor Day, when we had all the family, we got together with my sisters and parents and all the cousins and everything. And beforehand, when you're in a foster care situation, you're really worried about the little one getting hurt or bumps and bruises because something like that could trigger you get the wrong person at the state when you say, hey, listen, they had a scratch or whatever. On Labor Day, she was our daughter adopted. We have the court order to prove it. Yeah, go ahead. Run off. Have a good time. (laughs) Play with your older cousins there and get the scrapes. And so it begins already. That didn't take long. Absolutely. We felt a great sense of relief. We didn't have to chase her around with bubble wrap. Speaking of labor, the last thing on the list to keep the relationship vibrant and make everybody happy, sharing household tasks. Oh, we're out of time. (laughs) Actually, that is very important, though, within the household, too, where both partners should have areas. You know, one person is maybe working on the inside. One person's working on the outside. One person's paying the bills. Somebody's doing something else. I really do think that balance is important. You don't want to have one spouse doing everything because that's where resentment builds on the other side. No, you're absolutely right. And you got to be creative. The crazy schedule, I need to make sure that before I leave for a baseball game, because my wife's not home, obviously, Callie's at her preschool and everything, I need to make sure that I've got either an option for them for dinner or that's all set and little things that I can do above and beyond, make sure the table's set, make sure all the dishes are cleared out of the sink. Those little steps go a long way, but I have to be conscious about that. I have to build that into my schedule or else I will just be putting more tasks on Susan and that's not carrying my fair share of the responsibility. We divvy it up, but it's consciously making sure that, okay, I need to be thinking of how I can 
can help and shoulder the burden. Because, yes, it's a fun job, but it's still a job. Right. And there's still demands on it. So. And we say it all the time. A healthy life is one that is being lived in the moment. And it's all about adjusting on the fly. Now, anxiety is trying to predict what's going to happen, even though it might not happen. You might be preparing for something that never comes. And then there's the whole thing of looking back and saying, oh, I wish I'd done this. I wish I'd done that. None of that accomplishes anything. Right. So to be present, especially in a relationship, to not only think about the needs of yourself, but the needs of that person that you fell in love with, and then eventually the needs of a little one. It's yeah. a lot of balance. It's a lot of work, but it's very rewarding work if it's done right. Yeah. Self-evaluation, self-care is so critical, and it's a recurring theme through all the series of Coping on the Couch. All and right. I think that's a huge element. It's there for a reason. Well, we have an influencer in our midst, speaking of podcasts and Hello. things like that. Anything you want to plug, by the way, while you're here? Because you always just come in and you favor us with your presence and your insights. So we want to Well, you know, listen, I make videos online, YouTube and Facebook. You can follow along. There's a great video that kind of recaps the last year that we had, Callie. We kind of kept everything quiet off social media. And there's a certain element that we don't share, but there's a lot of stuff there. If you just find me, Ben DeCastro, I got the blue check mark just like Beyonce. So, you know, we have something to talk about <laughs> if I ever meet her. And that's the uh, only thing right. about Ben and Beyonce that is similar that's, at this point. Yeah, she's very tall. <laughs> Although I have seen you perform all the single ladies and you gave her a run for her money. Well, that step-by-step dance instructional was fantastic. <laughs> at Cat Country Mornings on socials. And of course, don't forget about that Wellness Wednesday page, catcountry.com. That's how you can contact Courtney, too, if you have any questions and also make sure you tell a friend about coping on the couch with Courtney and Brian which you can find on Spotify Apple Podcasts you can get it on your smart devices it's amazing Ben DeCastro thank you so much an amazing job as always well thank you sir kudos to you guys and I know Brian you put a lot of work into this so this is great folks subscribe and share now it's one of the very rare things that I put a lot of work into believe you me (laughs) just ask my wife speaking of that whole thing hey thanks Ben and thanks to all of you for listening. We will see you for episode 70, Coping on the Couch with Courtney and Brian.